Hello and welcome to another week of The Days That Music Died, right here on 89.5 WJMU The Quad. I'm your host, Caleb, and it is just an absolute joy and wonder to be here with you yet again for another week of this incredible, insightful show, a show that is not only acknowledging the artists that we've tragically lost, but allowing for us to take an hour of every single week to look at these artists and to remember, recall, and simply idolize what they were able to do in music. And it really is exceptional at that to see these human beings just like us do amazing things with music. And so The Days of Music Died focuses on this, being able to, no matter the struggles that these these human beings go through, to focus on them and their feats and the amazing things that they were able to do. Really, really amazing stuff. And so, of course, we are at our new time every Thursday at 2 o'clock now, um, but it is the same format, that same good old show called The Days That Music Died right here on 89.5. Don't forget to go ahead and like us on Facebook at The Days That Music Died, and you can check us out on Twitter as well. I haven't been on there in a while, but you can check us out on Twitter at The Days That Music Died. Um, And don't forget to check out our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any podcast app out there, I promise you. We are on there. And for this week's show, we are in 1968, the year of 1968. Now, we've been here before, right? We've been here before. And so I'm going to start doing a thing where we're not constantly going back to the the year where we're constantly there. And there have been times where we're in the same year about three weeks in a row. Instead of doing that, we're not going to constantly be doing this. Um, we're just going to touch on a few things that happened throughout 1968 and really, you know, kind of touch on this comparison between 1968 to 2021 and such like that, because I think that's great for all of us. And it really is really intriguing to be able to analyze those differences, those similarities and such. And so we have 1968, right? 1968. Well, compared to 2021, um, It's a big gap, and it's a lot of differences, right? It really is. But there are things going on that could be in ways maybe similar to one another. Not the exact events, but but we do have certain things going on throughout this time um, that can replicate the things going on in 2021 in certain aspects, things that are maybe not the same kind of event, but something that could definitely be the equivalent of such. And so that that's what's always interesting to me to, is to analyze this. Obviously, we know it's not going to be the exact same event. We know that things are not going to be the complete same. We, we know that life moves on, life moves forward. Things are always going to be different compared to its past. But d- there are definitely moments of recollection that allow us to remember and recall that, you know, what happens can always come back around. And and even though the past is the past, there's still these moments, still these moments where history repeats itself. And that right there is what is interesting to me. Throughout 1968, we have some very, very big moments occurring throughout this year. We have the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was assassinated in 1968. Robert Kennedy is wounded and shot and, and killed throughout this time. We have a peace movement that is continuing to grow more and more and more as Americans continue to be against the war in Vietnam. 
We have more riots occurring throughout cities in America. The music scene is set by the Beatles and the Rolling Stone yet again. And we have fashion being flirted and changed as we know it. There's a flu pandemic in Hong Kong, and the first black power salute is seen on television worldwide during an Olympics medal ceremony. And all of this and more is occurring throughout the year 1968. And that right there just shows how history can repeat itself. Because we have moments in 2020 and 2021 where history is repeating itself. It may not be that same thing, but it's similar. In certain veins, it is similar. And it really is interesting. And so 1968 is a very big year in the United States. Lots of things going on from previous years at the time, uh, during that time, and also years after that really have affected us even still today in 2021. Events that occurred that have changed the way we view this country and the way we view this world and society as we know it. And that right there is a really big thing to tackle. And one of those things in 1968 is our today's focus. So this week's featured artist is none other than Frankie Lyman. Franklin Joseph Lyman was born in Harlem, New York on September 30, 1942. To Jeanette and Howard Lyman, Howard was a truck driver and Jeanette was a maid. Both also sang in the gospel group The Harlemaires, and Frankie and his brothers Louis and Howie sang with the Har Harlemaires Juniors as well. The Lymans struggled to make ends meet throughout most of Lyman's childhood, and so Lyman actually began working as a grocery boy at just the age of 10. By 12 in 1954, Lyman actually heard a local doo-wop group known as the Coupe de Ville at a school talent show. He became friends with the lead singer Herman Santiago, and he eventually became a member of the group, now calling itself both the Ermines and the Premiers. Dennis Jackson of Columbus, Georgia, was one of the main influences in Lyman's life, and his personal donation of $500 actually helped start Lyman's career. So one day in 1955, a neighbor actually gave the premier several love letters that had been written to him by his girlfriend. Hoping to give the boys inspiration to write their own songs, Merchant and Santiago adapted one of the letters into a song called Why Do Fools Fall in Love, which of course, as we know it, became their biggest hit, um, a very popular hit at that. So the premieres are now calling themselves the Teenagers by this time in 1955, got their first shot at fame after impressing Richard Barrett, a singer with the Valentines. Now Barrett in turn got the group an audition with record producer George Goldner. Now on the day of the group's audition, original lead singer Santiago was actually late to this audition, and so Lyman decided to step up and told Goldner that he knew the part because he helped write the song. And the disc jockeys always called them Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. And, and this is a big indication that everyone kind of knew that Frankie was going to be the next big thing. And Frankie had the talent, the ambition, and the capability and the ability to be the lead singer of this group. And just to be the lead singer in general. And certain, certain enough... Here's Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. And so in 1956, we have the song Why Do Fools Fall in Love and all of its success. I mean, so much success throughout this time. Their first big hit, and they're really starting to grow. 
So Goldner actually signs the group to G Records, and Why Do Fools Fall in Love became its first single in January, January 1956. The single peaked at number six on the Billboard Pop Singles chart and topped the Billboard R&B Singles chart for five weeks. Four other top ten R&B singles followed over the next year or so, such as I Want You to Be My Girl, I Promise to Remember... Who Can Explain the ABCs of Love and I'm Not a Juvenile Delinquent? I Want You to Be My Girl gave the band its second pop hit, reaching number 13 on the National Billboard Hot 100 chart. And Goody Goody, written by Maddie Malnick and Johnny Mercer and originally performed by Benny Goodman, actually became a number 20 pop hit but did not appear on the R&B chart. And throughout this time, the teenagers, or shall I say the Frankie Lyman and the teenagers, are starting to get more hits, right? And, and what they're doing is not only are they writing their own songs, but they're also using um, other composers and, and, and um, claiming their songs, claiming the copyrights for their songs and covering those uh, songs and such. And then we're also just having covers. And this is, this is a big thing because there are some, some of their most popular tunes actually are covers. Um, which is really interesting, but it shows it shows that this time this was very popular, right? But it also showed that they were good, <laughs> and they had the ability to be able to cover these songs. Um, and, and so throughout this time, the teenagers actually placed two other singles in the lower half of the pop chart. With the release of I Want You to Be My Girl, the group's second single, the teenagers actually officially became Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. However, the album that mostly compiled the singles released in 1956 came out under the older name, The Teenagers, featuring Frankie Lyman. So very interesting stuff there, fun facts there, and we'll continue to talk about Frankie Lyman's solo career from out throughout uh, 1957 to 1965. We'll talk about his later years and kind of his ultimate demise, unfortunately. And of course, later on, as always, the tragic day and his legacy. But first, before we get into that, let's go ahead and get into the music here. We've got some classic tunes here by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. And here is Little Bitty Pretty One. I hope you all enjoy. And that was I Want You to Be My Girl by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Once again, you are listening to The Days That Music Died right here on 89.5 WJMU The Quad. I'm your host, Caleb. And what amazing stuff. I tell you, Frankie Lyman's vocals just exceptional one of a kind that is right before that you heard diana and of course the abcs of love the classic little bitty pretty one at the top of that break there just some great stuff and i and i tell you frankie lyman vocals that you just couldn't hear anywhere else and we'll talk about this here here in just a few minutes where frank frankie lyman is doing things that a lot a lot of artists at this time are not doing or not able to do as well and so it's it's really important really important to to tackle this um what is happening here and to understand what is happening here and so i i just i really love really love hearing about frankie lyman's story when it comes to the musical side and everything that he had to do and overcome and so this month of course february is a very big month there, there are lots of things going on in february one of the biggest things it is that it is black history month and so every week for this month for the days that music died we are featuring 
a black artist that we've lost far, far too soon. And last week was Aretha Franklin. This week is Frankie Lyman. And I tell you, all month long, we've got some great artists lined up, and we're going to be talking about them as well. And looking towards March, Women's History Month, we are t- covering a uh, exceptional woman every single week in March um, that we, again, lost far too soon and quite tragically. And so this week, continuing our today's focus, Frankie Lyman, touching on his solo career throughout 1957 to 65, this amazing young artist that had a voice unlike any other. I mean, listen to his voice and you think, wow, right? Wow. And so in early 1957, Lyman and the teenagers actually broke up while on a tour in Europe. And Lyman had actually officially departed from the group by September of 57. And an in progress progress studio album called Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers at the London uh, Palladium was instead issued as a Lyman solo release. As a solo artist, Lyman was not nearly as successful as he had been with the Teenagers. Um, beginning with his second solo release, My Girl Lyman had moved to Roulette Records. And on July 19, 1957, an episode of Alan Freed's live ABC TV show The Big Beat, Lyman began dancing with a white teenage girl while he was performing. His actions actually caused a scandal, particularly among Southern TV station owners, and The Big Beat was subsequently canceled throughout this time. And so at this point, Lyman is on a solo career, and throughout 57, um, he is or about to be he leaves by September of 1957, and July is when a lot of the, this particular supposed scandal arises, and, and different things are happening throughout Lyman's career, and then Lyman's also trying to go solo, right? So Lyman's going solo in his solo career. He's leaving the teenagers behind, and he's doing his own thing, because in reality, he, he had that ability, that talent to do so. So Lyman is is going into a solo career, and this is where it's really interesting, because you have his success with the teenagers, well, with his solo career, you didn't see this. You didn't see the success. And there's a lot There's a lot of things that you can touch on here that could have led to having this lack of success. And so Lyman's slowly declining sales fell sharply in the early 1960s. His highest charting solo hit was a cover of Bobby Day's Little Bitty Pretty One, again, which you heard at the top of the hour, which peaked at number 58 on the Hot 100 pop chart in 1960, and which had actually been recorded in 1957. Addicted to heroin since the age of 15, Lyman actually fell further into his habit, and his performing career went into a decline. According to Lyman in an interview with Ebony Magazine in 67, he was first introduced to heroin when he was 15 by a woman twice his age. In 1961, Roulette now ran by Morris Levy, ended their contract with Lyman, and he entered a drug rehab program. After losing Lyman, the teenagers went through a string of replacement singers, the first of whom was Billy Lebrano, and in 1960, Howard Kinney Bobo sang lead on Tonight's Tonight with the Teenagers. Later that year, Johnny Houston sang lead on two songs, and the teenagers who had been moved by Morris Levy to end records were released from their contract in 61. The teenagers briefly reunited with Lyman in 57 without any success whatsoever. Really interesting stuff. You know, one of my things that's really interesting about the teenagers is the fact that this was a group that was so unique at the time because the original group that was formed by the teenagers and that initially became popular was very diverse very diverse and so it's really neat to see this group throughout the 50s 
get popular, have some success, and things are going well for them and everything. Of course, things are happening over time, and it leads you to believe a lot of questions. Was it because they were so diverse? Was it because of what they identified as and such like that? And it really is interesting. It really is. It's, it's quite intriguing. So over the next four years, Lyman struggled through short-lived deals with 20th Century Fox Records and even Columbia Records. He began a relationship with Elizabeth Mickey Waters, who became his first wife in January 1964 and actually gave birth to his only child, Francine, who unfortunately died two days after birth at Lenox Hill Hospital. Lyman's marriage to Waters was not legal because she was still married to her first husband at the time, and after the marriage failed, he moved to Los Angeles in the mid-60s, where he began a romantic relationship with Zola Taylor, a member of the Platters. Taylor actually claims to have married Lyman in Mexico in 65, although their relationship ended several months later. Uh, mainly because of Lyman's drug habits. Lyman, however, had been known to say that their marriage was a publicity stunt and Taylor could produce no legal documentation of their marriage. In Major Robinson's gossip column of June 6, 1966, Zola said the whole thing was a joke and that she went along with at the time. Lyman appeared at the Apollo as part of a review, adding an extended tap dance number. Lyman recorded several live performances, such as Melinda in 59, but none rose on the charts, unfortunately. And his final television performance was on Hollywood A-Go-Go in 1965, where the then 22- or even 23-year-old at the time lip-synced to the recording of his 13-year-old song, uh, 13-year-old self singing Why Do Fools Fall in Love? So at this time, Frankie Lyman is having to result in kind of a, a, a regression, really, in his career. He's having to lip-sync moments from his when he was 13 years old. He's, he's having to re-record a bunch of songs. He's having to do things live. He's having, having to record live records and such like that. He's, he's having to do whatever he can just to stay, just to stay there in the business, to continue to do his thing. And unfortunately... It only gets worse from here, and so on June 21st, 1966, he was arrested on a heroin charge and was drafted into the United States Army in the lieu of a jail sentence. While in the Augusta area, Lyman met and fell in love with uh, Amira Eagle, a school teacher at Hornsby Elementary in Augusta. The two were wed in June 1967, and Lyman re repeatedly actually went AWOL to secure gigs at small southern clubs. Dishonorably discharged from the army, Lyman moved into his wife's home and continued to perform sporadically. Traveling to New York in 1968, Lyman was signed by manager Sam Bray to his Big Apple label, and the singer returned to recording. After that, Roulette Records expressed interest in releasing Lyman's records in conjunction with Big, A with Big Apple and scheduled a recording session for February 28th. A major promotion had been arranged with CHO Associates, owned by radio personalities Frankie Crocker, Herb Hamlet, and Eddie O.J. Lyman, staying at his grandmother's house in Harlem, where he had grown up, celebrated this good fortune that he, he finally received after a very long period of, of bad luck by taking heroin after he had actually remained clean ever since entering the army three years earlier. And this unfortunately led to his ultimate demise. So let's go ahead and get back into the music here for the days that music died, focusing on our today's focused featured artist, Frankie Lyman. In the next break, we'll talk about his legacy, his tragic day, and more of what amazing things Frankie Lyman did to music, even in his short 
lived career. Here's I promise to remember, and I hope you all enjoy. What a tune that was. Please be mine by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Right before that, we had some Let's Fall in Love live in London. Who put the bomb and the bomb bomb and all kinds of good tunes right there. Of course, by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. You are listening to The Days That Music Died right here on 89.5 WJMU The Quad. I'm your host, Caleb. It has been such a joy as always doing this show, and we have more to touch on on our featured artist. Today's focus for this week's show of The Days That Music Died, none other than Frankie Lyman. To touch on his legacy before we get into his tra- unfortunate, tragic, truly tragic day, um, although there was definitely a, a period of success, a period of success that was quite brief, Frankie Lemon and the Teenagers had a string of hits that were so influential on the rock and R&B performers who, who really followed them. And they really, really shaped the way we kind of know Motown as we know it. They're one of those acts that really had a lot to do with that. And so... Lyman's high-voiced sound is said to be a direct a direct predecessor of the girl group sound, and the list of performers who name him as an influence, I mean, is such a long list, includes artists such as Michael Jackson, The Temptations, George Clinton, Smokey Robinson, and so many others. And the performers most inspired by, and really their derivative of Lyman and the Teenagers' style, are bands such as the Jackson 5, and their lead singer, and of course their future superstar, like I said, Michael Jackson, who really looked up to Frankie, Frankie Lyman and the influence that he created with music. And Motown founder Barry Gordy was very known to just have this huge influence for Frankie Lyman and, and the sound. And so based, he based much of and most of Jackson 5's sound on Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers recordings. And the Teenagers are actually believed to be the original model for many of the other Motown groups that Barry Gordy actually cultivated throughout this time, especially when Motown was very, very big throughout the 60s. Um, And so in 1973, Lyman became known to a slightly younger generation than before with the release of American Graffiti, which included the song Why Do Fools Fall in Love on on its soundtrack. In September 1979 at the Santa Barbara Bowl, Joni Mitchell performed a version of Why Do Fools Fall in Love, which subsequently appeared on the release of her album of the concert entitled Shadows and Light the following September. In 1993, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 2000. Now, this is huge. I would just like to say that this is really important. Frankie Lemon and the Teenagers were one of those groups to to really say and to stand out and say, you know, we don't have to have this huge, long career where success is, has been crossed over 10, 20 years. No, no, no. Instead, we can do it. In five to ten years, we can have brief success and still be such a huge influence on artists, on a genre overall, and then also in just in the long run. And so this is really important. Not only are they being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they're also being inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame seven years later. And that just shows how influential, how important, and how integral they were to music, to Motown, to rock and roll, to R&B, whatever it may be. That's how big they were, how important they were, and how over time, younger generations were and still are to this day being exposed to Frankie Lyman, to the teenagers, and to everything that they did. And that's really, really amazing. 
as, as the song Little Bitty Pretty One. That song right there has been covered so many times, I don't think I could do the math on how many times that song has been covered, and I don't know if I want to because it would hurt my head. That song, we know that song. We all know that song. Some way you know the chorus. You get it. You get it. You know the hook of that song. You've heard it over and over again. You've heard Why Do Fools Fall in Love. You've heard these songs over and over again. And you hear the covers. You heard Let's Fall in Love. You'll hear more covers later on in the show, such as soon here, such as My Baby Just Cares For Me, and so on and so forth. You've heard these songs. You know how they sound like, even though they weren't Frankie Lamb and the teenagers uh, writing this song or performing it for the first time. No, but they covered the song and they put their spin on it and they made it exceptional. And that goes to show just how brilliant this group was, especially Frankie Lyman. Vocals that are to die for and unlike any other. You cannot, you cannot reciprocate those vocals. I mean, come on, amazing how he sounded at every, every track. Just amazing. And so Lyman's music and story was important and really, really intriguing so intriguing that it was actually and eventually reintroduced to modern audiences with Why Do Fools Fall in Love, a 1998 biographical film directed by Gregory Nava, who is also the director of the Selena biopic starring Jennifer Lopez. If you haven't seen that film, you, you definitely should, and you should look into Selena, who is someone that we have covered on this show already. Why Do Fools Fall in Love tells a comedic, fictionalized version of a Lyman story from the points of view of his three wives as they battle in court for the rights to his estate. Now, he, here's what's interesting is um, you are... Now, you're, you're finally covering this story that needs to be heard, right, uh, Frankie Lyman? Well, unfortunately, we're covering it in a very comedic, fictionalized version, and we're not doing it in the way that it should have been done. And that's telling a story of what exactly... Um, happened to Frankie Lyman, what his career was, the troubles he had to go through, everything that happened from top to bottom. And unfortunately, we're not getting this here. But the film does star stars such as Lawrence Tate as Frankie Lyman, Halle Berry as Ola Taylor, um, Elizabeth Waters as Amir Eagle, and, and uh, or, or uh, Vavisha A. Fox as Elizabeth Waters, and uh, Layla Vershon as Amir Eagle, and so on, and, and so many other bigger names at this time. And Why Do Fools Fall in Love was actually not a commercial success at all, and, met with, and was met with mixed reviews. And a lot of those reviews actually uh, mention exactly what I just mentioned. Um, you know, it, it could have been a good film if it was entirely brought over just as a, a fictionalized story. Instead, we're we're trying to label it as a Frankie Lyman story, but that's exactly what it is not because of this com comedic, fictionalized version that we are creating. And so the film actually grossed a total of $12,461,773 during its original theatrical run. And, and what's funny is that this is not a commercial success, and here they are making $12 million. Like, that to me is pretty successful. But it goes to show, it goes to show the differences with the system and with with being a, a regular uh, person in society and being in the uh, middle class and such like that and the lower class and everything like that. So it really it really is interesting. But at this time, we are not able. We have success in 1993 and in 2000 to allow Frankie Lyman and the teenagers to finally have their heyday, to finally receive some success from their greatness. And yet we also have periods of time such as in 1998 
where they are not able to receive that success, at least not the way they should have, especially Frankie Lyman. And so this leads us into our tragic day. On February 27th, 1968, only weeks away too, just two weeks away, under two weeks away, from his tragic day, Lyman was found dead of a heroin overdose at just the age of 25. He was lying on the floor of his grandmother's bathroom with a syringe by his side. Lyman, a Baptist, was buried at Catholic St. Raymond Cemetery in the Throgs Neck section of the Bronx, New York City, New York. The tunes I'm Sorry and Sea Breeze were two songs that Lyman had actually recorded for Big Apple before his death and were, and were released later in 1968 after his passing. And that's that. That's how simple it was. One day here and one day gone. And Frankie Lyman never received the success that he deserved because you listen to that voice and it is, again, it is unlike any other. It's a voice that deserved all the success in the world and then some. And ain't that the truth? It really is. He was an amazing vocalist and an amazing musician. He's so talented and such a musical genius what he was able to do with his vocals and with his group and his solo career. And so that leads us. That leads us back into music. And of course, we'll talk about what could have been in the next break real quick. And of course, more tunes as always right here on 89.5 WJMU, the quad. You're listening to the Days of Music Guide. Here's Goody Goody by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. And that was Teenage Love by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Right before that, we had Creation of Love. And of course, live in London at the Palladium, My Baby Just Cares for Me. Once again, you are listening to The Days That Music Died right here on 89.5 WJMU, The Quad. I'm your host, Caleb, and it has been a pleasure, as always, to talk about these exceptional, amazing musical geniuses and icons that we have lost far, far too soon. So what could have been with Frankie Lyman? Well, what could have been? Um, Frankie Lyman would have... Unfortunately, it's it's a question that you definitely tackled the line of would he have been able to rebound in, in, in his career and be able to have more success that really stabilized and become one of the greatest lead singers of all time? Or would he have just continued to fall and it was simply waiting for that one day where his demise would hit? And it's a great line. It's a great line that we don't really know. And so that's what could have been. It could have been either or, again. And many artists, unfortunately who suffer suffer something such as such as Lyman did with an addiction to heroin and so it really it really is um, unfortunate and quite tragic indeed it really is so I thank you as always for tuning in right here to 89.5 for the days that music died again we are every two every Thursday at 2 p.m. now uh, very excited to continue the show as we are in our last semester but excited to continue this show throughout the year and and by all means um be i hope you are you all are as excited as i am to be able to continue to do this show and and for this month as we focus on black history month in the month of february and in march as we focus on women's history month in march and and we have uh, individuals that just were exceptional just exceptional with what they're able to do to do in the music world 
So listen next week, next Thursday at 2 p.m. for The Days That Music Died. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and like us on Twitter at The Days That Music Died. Go ahead and check out our podcast out, The Days That Music Died, on Spotify, Google Podcast, and many more podcast apps. We've got one more tune for you, but thank you as always for tuning in. I'm Caleb, your host for The Days That Music Died, right here on 89.5 WJMU, The Quad. Our featured artist in today's focus this week has been none other than the great legendary lead singer and an amazing vocalist, Frankie Lyman. Here's Why Do Fools Fall in Love, and I hope you all enjoy.